You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. This is a bilingual American history podcast where each week I, water drinker, man with shoes, lover of cantaloupe, Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to his friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. I remember one time when you'd probably been doing that bit for about say, three months, we were on the road, and we were out somewhere, and someone said something about it. We were, like, chilling with a friend of yours or something, and someone mentioned it. And I go, I'm not, and I wasn't kidding. I go, it's fun. I go, I think it's done now, though. Mm-hmm. This is three years ago. I was like, I think we yeah. finally, like, are good on it. Yeah. And, um, and here we are. Yeah, a so... A time later, and... There's a comedy thing where... Something starts out the rule of five hundred funny, and then, and then the you keep doing it, and it gets not funny, and then it just gets irritating, and then and yeah. then people want to kill repetition. each other, and then it gets crazy, and then it gets funny again, and then it gets not funny, and then people get sad, and then I'm not uh, sure where we are on that slow, spectrum, slow death of the soul, and then I it gets like funny again, end, and then it gets hilarious, yeah, I feel like, and then it's just uh, I don't I don't know what's happening anymore, and then and like then it's like. Do, certainly does this person end. need mental health help? That's where we are. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a, a this is a cry for help. Like a bi-weekly not, American. Oh, sorry. How have you not seen that I've been just desperately begging for some sort of help? Like this is a cry. Like this is a desperate. You know what you're like. You're like Michael Douglas and falling down. If he just didn't like fully. Like, if he, if he was just like, I'm going to slowly take it out on society. Instead of just having one crazy day where he like, is like, I want breakfast at lunchtime in this fast food restaurant. How much better would that movie have been if everyone just called him Duggo? Duggo. Duggo. That was actually what it was called in Australia. <laughs> Duggo. <laughs> and called it, quote... His jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy! Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not gonna become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Adam! On a five part coefficient. <laughs> My room's a Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo! No sleep tell hippo! Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank uh, Sarah June, who did the research for this. March 3rd, 1831, year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. George Mortimer Pullman was born in western New York State. His father, James, was a carpenter who invented a way to lift multi-story buildings and put them onto new foundations using jack screws, also known as screw jacks. Screw Jack City. Screw Jack is a that's a porn star. Have you ever seen Screw Jack work? He is a monster. Um, um, by the way, when I hear that technology, I'm even now I'm like that's impressive. Oh no! I can't even imagine. Like it's just the craziest thing to me that they lifted up buildings and moved them. It's move buildings. I mean, I didn't put it in here. Well, I'll talk about it. But um, 
So George quit school when he was 14 years old, and he uh, got a sure. job as a store clerk and then as a cabinet maker. His dad dies right. in 1853, so he's like 22-ish. And then George takes okay. over the family business. Uh, he's c- contracting with... Which is moving, yeah, moving, moving buildings, buildings without, con- by, by screw yeah. jacket. So he's making contracts with cities... And and so buildings can be moved, so shipping canals can be widened. So wait a minute, you're telling me this guy's basically Screw Jackman? <laughs> Will he play the Wolverine? <laughs> oh, that's comical to me because the name is near Hugh Jackman's, and that is um, that's uh, it's got me guffawing. It's uh, all right. Time back in. Go ahead, Dave. I just had to point that out that that. Uh, Sorry, bud. You, you gave me the you gave me the lot to to do it in. So, uh, I, uh, whew, it's all downhill from here, baby. Um, uh, this is a sorry. Go ahead. It's a this is a not great start. start. Go ahead. Did we mention we're going to Adelaide? <laughs> so uh, George also had a very eerie ability to turn a profit. He was just a he was a money guy. So around 1859, uh, he, he moves to Chicago. Uh, Chicago was built on a low bog. And as the city got bigger, streets were swamped with mud. And that, that uh, combined with the open sewers. Jesus. Just not, I really? mean, that's not ideal. As a guy who, like, hates Chicago sports, this is just too much fodder. <laughs> it's just so... So they're, they, I mean, it was just a swampy yeah, shithole. Yeah, literally. There used to be the muddy yeah. city. People said the okay. mud in the street uh, was so deep that it could drown a horse. Oh my god, that's very never-ending story. So because of that, there's cholera, there's tuberculosis, there's typhoid. I can't imagine being on a street and being like, eh, "That horse just went under." It happens. Anyway, to the cafe, you think? It happens, and anybody who has a horse. Slash quick sand fetish. I mean, that's the place to be. That's my fetish. I always watch that on ScrewJackman.com. <laughs> so, so George's construction crews uh, use their dad's uh, jack screw or screw jack uh, to raise these large buildings out of the swamp, put them on higher foundations out of the mud and sewage. Uh, sure. th- like there's one... There was a hotel that he moved while everybody was in it. Like, they didn't have... Of course. Yeah. No, there's no issue with that. I mean, what what is the problem? (laughs) It's just very simply... And we just wanted to let everyone know that if there's a fire drill, we do need everyone to go outside. Also, the hotel is going to be moving cities (laughs) while you're here. So if you feel it shake at all or anything like that, um, don't worry. We're just relocating. Oh, and if you have a car parked where we... In our parking lot... That, you can just go get it and move it to our new spot. So that's exciting. So, um, yeah, just, and if you go out and come back and there's not a hotel, we moved it. So just yeah, so you know. And the pool will now be across the street. Yes, uh, the pool is now across the street. And again, uh, if you don't want to go in the pool, just swim on the street. Yeah. Because the street is basically a river. So just go there. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, oh, Continental. Uh, is six to ten, and yeah, and the hotel is going to be moving locations in, entirely. Yeah. So, yep, that's it. Check out the eleven, and uh, if you feel it shaking, it's just because the hotel is going to a completely different space. <laughs> okay, 
So there's a ton of contracts to do this. George's firm, very successful. Chicago uh, is a really fast-growing center of industry. Uh, as railroads are being laid all over the U.S., nearly every sure. single major transcontinental railway, railway line goes to Chicago. So passenger... But it's just kind of like swampy? Why was Chicago popular if it was just kind of like... I, I don't... I don't know. I mean, I think just because industry started... The deep dish. Yeah, the it was deep the deep dish, dish and De Beers. Uh, you can't... You're not going to find a better deep dish no, pizza. You are. Or a better deep... deep. Here's oh, the crazy okay. thing. I don't want to find another deep dish pizza because I don't like uh, a, a like What's bolus the matter? of cheese. You never... You don't like to feel... Like you don't like to go in a... Uh, Coma of dough, a.k.a. a dome. No, and I would like to be able to shit again also instead of just having your cheese party. Well, if that's, well, if that's on your bucket list, then enjoy it. But if, you, if you're looking for a go bowel movements, have I got a, a dinner for you? <laughs> it comes out of yeah, pizza. No, I'm, yeah, thank you. It's like watching a dog poop a I frisbee. I don't want to watch that. Well, for 15 bucks on ScrewJackman.com, you can now watch it. Uh, no, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, like I said, rails are being laid all the U.S. They're all coming to Chicago. Passenger travel has been transformed by the train, obviously. Crossing the country by stagecoach took a month. Now it's a week, but it's still a week. People still want to do it in comfort. And so as George was traveling right. himself, he saw uh, that the sleeping cars on passenger trains were not great. They were dirty. They were noisy, stuffy, very uncomfortable. One traveler said it was like, quote, sleeping on a runaway horse. <laughs> I mean, this guy, come on. You got it. We got to put this guy on the back of a horse and be like, see, it's not that bad. <laughs> Do you understand now why that comparison was? Unfair? Yeah, let's hear you. Let's hear your runaway horse talk now, buddy. Huh? <laughs> I fell off and then I was trampled. Well, that would not have happened in the sleeping car. You're going to eat those words. So George knew, because of what was happening with the rails, that, that traveling across the country was going to become mainstream. Everyone was going to start doing it. So right. comfortable. By the way, mainstream was also the main strip in Chicago. It's a street walk. <laughs> Go ahead. Comfortable sleeping cars. We're going to be a huge moneymaker. He saw that. So by the late 1850s, he was working with investors. And, and mechanics okay. to build a passenger coach car that could be converted into a sleeper car. So he's taking, he's taking okay. these passenger cars and then jazzing them up. Converting right? them into... Right. Okay. Yeah. It's like a pimp my sleeping car. So in 1860, George went to Colorado during the Gord Rush. Gold Rush. Did I say Gore? The Gord Rush was also... <laughs> the Gord Rush was wild. Did you... I mean, uh, people you, don't... That happens around yeah. Thanksgiving when people are getting their place settings ready. There's the people gourd rush. People, it's year. like they don't talk about that in, in the history books, like in, if you're in school. Well, I tell you, there's more gourds up in this hills. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. I found a gourd yeah. vein. We found a bunch of gourds. Look, there's more gourds in this river than they ever anticipated. <laughs> we got so many gourds. We got hordes of gourds. I told them there's gourds up in their mouths. <laughs> gourds. <laughs> oh, the gourd rush. Imagine society if we'd had a gourd rush. I think it would be Much better. better. So he goes out of Chicago. He, he sets up a, a little shop in a boom town. He, 
he is running a general store, a crushing mill, a saloon. He just knows, like, you open up business in a in a gold rush town and you'll make money. And he he raises. Yeah. I opened a lot of businesses in a gold rush town, and I yeah, that didn't. So that was fast. a bad uh, move. People were not interested in that area. So he also raised cattle. Um, he got into real estate. He set up a quasi bank that dealt in gold dust. So makes money, right? In 1863, goes back to Chicago. He gets drafted into the Civil War, okay. but he has enough cool. money, so he hires a substitute to serve for him in the Union Army. What a great! I didn't. Were we aware yeah, that that was? Yeah, we were aware. Yeah, you, you could, could. Yeah, sort of tag team like wrestlers. Just hold your hand out. Like I don't. I don't like. Oh, war. I'm sorry. I'm rich. Can I not do the war thing? I can. I just can't. It seems so strange for the elites to not. It really serve. does. It's very odd. So uncommon. thank God that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, he, so in 1867, he married Harriet Amelia Sanger, known as Hattie. Okay. Sure. He was. A that's Hattie right. Daddy. Her dad was. That's what we called him. Her dad was a very rich Chicago canal builder. I've made all these roads. <laughs> God, where are all the horses? These are mine. These are, yes. This is where I drowned ponies. Have you seen Mainstream? It's where all the businesses are hopping. Uh, so he was very ill when they got married, and they actually married uh, right beside her father's deathbed. Uh, which I, that's how I want to. Hot. We're not saying I do until his eyes are full. And then once he is dead, we're going to roll him off and consummate this motherfucker. Time for consummation upon the father. Uh, So that year, after nine years of working on the sleeper cars, he incorporated the Palace, sorry, the Pullman Palace Car Company. Wow. Okay. That's a long time, by the way, to be working on this. So he's really Yeah, yeah. So... It it does great. The next 25 years, he has incredible success. He becomes a household name. Right. Pullman cars sure. were synonymous with just fancy luxury travel. And Pullman right. becomes a noun. Wow. That's, he, I mean, that well, is, He's okay. one of the first guys. So what would you, what would you, you, how would you use Pullman as a noun? Like what, like, that guy, he's a real Pullman. Like, he's doing great or he's fancy? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I guess it's the same way. I guess it's the same way you would use Apple or, you know. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I was like, you mean Gwyneth Paltrow's child? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. I get Um, you. Sure. Yeah, it's just, I get it. um, So, he, he, he worked really hard. He was one of the first people to purposefully build a brand, right? Right. So this he, is right. He would take right. reporters on these fancy champagne trips in his newest cars. He'd lend them okay. to presidents. The the Pullman mm-hmm. Company at, when Lincoln died, the company spread a story that Lincoln's body was taken to Springfield in a Pullman car. I uh, don't forget it was in a <laughs> Pullman. Isn't it amazing we've been branding yeah. that long? Yeah. 
like brand ident like like brand integration has been like that's right and we uh even had a little hat space for him to lay down because that's just life in a pullman so comfortable dead guys want to ride in it pullman abraham lincoln's dying wish was to be a nothing but a pullman well they uh, he was close with lincoln and mary he, the story was that mary todd lincoln had demanded the Pullman car so she could ride to the funeral in comfort, but that never happened. Mary Todd, Mary Todd Lincoln I, didn't go to the funeral, so... I, I'm afraid I, I could only grieve properly <laughs> in a Pullman. Pullman convenient cars are unbelievable. It is how you feel regal no matter what the occasion. My husband was just shot in the back of his weird hat by some assassin, and I tell you, when I'm in a Pullman, it feels like he's still with I us. forget all <laughs> about it. Abraham is still with us. I don't even remember that his brains were blown all over somebody else. Pullman. Pullman. I was covered in the fragments of my husband's skull. But boy, what a cappuccino. Pullman. Luxury cars. <laughs> the only way to ride or die. Pullman. <laughs> so that story, people still... I'm John Wilkes <laughs> Booth. The only way I want to be transported to my next prison is in a Pullman. Now that's a luxury a car. Pullman. Yes. So uh, the story is still around. People still believe that that's true today. A lot of people think. But it was just a total lie made up by the Pullman company. That's good. That's yep. good marketing. Uh, Pullman wanted. I mean, bad yeah, marketing. Terrible marketing. So Pullman wanted middle class customers to basically upgrade to a fancier train experience than was available on the standard sort of passenger car. I'm selling subprime options for some of the people who would like to get in these and cars. And it's expensive. It, it, he charges them twice what like a normal normal laborer would make in a day. But wow. but they're getting they're getting value. I mean, it's a really nice experience. And oh, Dave, it's a Pullman. Uh, uh, Pullman, the only car to spend a day's wage upon. Pullman. Uh, and then the way you would work is you would buy a train ticket and then you would buy from the Pullman company, then you would buy directly from them the upgrade. So it's it's like clear in the It airport. is exactly like it's clear. This, it's this second this secondary business that's able to operate within the uh, airport. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a government run thing like clear? Dave, stop. Stop. Where are they gonna that get the didn't money? Gather your eyeball data. <laughs> biometric sure. scans yeah, that the government had, and then you wouldn't have to use clear. But Dave, then would I feel like we're entering dystopia when I go through airports? No. no. So it's a give and take. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> it's, that's just yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Uh, okay. So the most normal rail cars had eight wheels. Pullman's had 16. That's right, Pullman. It's double the wheels. Pullman. Uh, they had rubber dampened springs, lighter wheels, so it's a smoother ride. They're, they're lit with gas chandeliers. They have insulated windows and doors, air filtered by a, a modern ventilation system. Um, the higher grade ones, so there's different, there's different levels of Pullman cars, so the higher grade ones would have a dining car with over 80 dishes offered from oyster Ooh. and lobster to local game, elk, loin. You know, it's 
It's you could get a little bit of that train <laughs> lobster cooking. You know what I mean? What that? I'm gonna eat some train oysters. Is that cool with everyone? <laughs> I mean, it's just that's amazing. It's just though. pure opulence. So, it's just. So, I mean, yeah, so it's kind of the first time where people are having the option to, like, genuinely enjoy travel, be spoiled yeah. in travel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before then, it was just like, you'd be like, well, we lost two kids, so <laughs> we're pretty spoiled. It's nice to have the 19 extra. So the ultimate was a custom-made car that was basically just for really, really, really rich. It, they had, it had a stateroom. A parlor, a smoking lounge, a kitchen. What? What? In, in this is in the one. Yeah, car? this is one car that's just fancy as shit for the really. This car is really huge. Rich. It's like an apart. It's a it's a car apartment. It's a car apartment. Compartment. It's a compartment. Or it's a park Um So yeah. really, really rich people would. It was basically a mansion on wheels. They would they would outfit yeah. it themselves. They would put in gold plated plumbing, marble baths, jewel safes, what? Venetian mirrors. Like it was just like, uh, where would I put my jewels <laughs> for the ride? Jewels in there, yes, lovely. A marble bath, a train yeah. bath. You imagine bathing on a train? Well, there's nothing better than uh, being in your marble bath and looking out and seeing the poor mm-hmm. suffering people. Uh, mm, oh, mm. Just makes the water feel that much more refreshing. So George was big into luxury himself. He wore a Prince Albert coat even in the summer, vest, trousers, patent leather shoes. That's a coat that you have pierced That's through right. your penis That's in, right? right? Um, he rode around in a polished carriage that was pulled by the best horses. His driver was in livery. His home in Chicago okay. had a 200-seat theater. A billiard room, a bowling alley, a pipe organ. Oh, come on. And a palm what? room with a leaded glass dome. What? He ate uh, lunch pretty much every day at the Chicago Club with other rich guys at a table that became known as the Millionaire's Table. Oh, cool. <laughs> That would sound so, like, that wouldn't sound like much today. He'd be like, well, he's just a millionaire. <laughs> he and his wife threw parties for, like, 400 people, local politicians, president's sons, Civil War heroes. Like, it was, like, the thing, right? Sure. Um, yeah. George and Hattie had a pretty good marriage. Uh, not, not great because he was away from home so much. Even when they were in New York, he would stay at his mom's apartment and Hattie would stay at a hotel. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's pretty sexy. He wasn't fucking other yeah. people. Oh. Dave, why'd you have to ruin it? For a second, I was like, I could see my... <laughs> oh, 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 okay, mister. It's another thing that's bad, huh? Uh, Hattie became a hypochondriac <laughs> and started taking very frequent trips to very fancy spas and just getaways. Well, I think that you're just rich. You're yeah. spoiled. I have this terrible syndrome where I must steam. <laughs> oh, doctor, it's just, I must have massages constantly. What's wrong with me? Oh. Uh, George, he became easily annoyed, and he would erupt in anger. <laughs> and So he was uh, rich. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, accusations against Hattie and their four kids. So they had four kids, twin boys and two daughters. Now, the girls okay. were raised by governess, tutors, and at boarding schools. But the boys right. were pampered and ignored, pretty much. And then they got into uh, a lifestyle of excess. Sure. Sure. Wow. It's just so, it's just, I've never heard anything quite <laughs> like this with rich people. Uh, they were, according to historian Jack Kelly, quote, self-indulgent fops and huge disappointments to their father. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, the list of, like, political children being disappointments in my lifetime as far as it just goes it's on amazing. and on. It's like, I mean, it's because the politicians aren't heroes either. They're just kind of put up on these pedestals, but it's always funny when the kids are like, I mean, it's like we were talking with Billy Carter yeah. a little bit. You're like, my dad's the president. And I, I'm an <laughs> idiot. You know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so a lot of the a lot of the uh, quotes in this come from Jack Kelly's book, The Edge of Anarchy. Uh, so George was a Republican. Uh, he donated to black causes. He hired black coachmen and household ha- help, which was not the norm for Chicago. In Chicago, the rich usually hired English servants. He allowed black customers to ride his cars, but segregated. But it still upset Southern whites, and then so it's it's it, 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 there was a time when our racism trumped our capitalism. That's right. Yeah, right. a Pullman car, and then eventually we were like, you know what, money's so good. Like businesses were just like, you know, um, a Pullman car was the subject of the the landmark segregation case, Plessy versus Ferguson. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Pullman, we are going to dictate the future of race in this country. Pullman, in the only cart where we will sell anyone access to it. Pullman, not as racist as everywhere else. Pullman. So Pullman hired former slaves as uh, the the porters for the cars. Wow. So... So this is very this is very progressive. Yeah, sort of. In a uh, terrible Okay, so time. he's right? He's making no. money, he's hiring people who who couldn't get jobs elsewhere and he becomes the largest employer of black workers in the country. But and but Okay, there it is. Hit me. Hit me, daddy. No blacks were allowed to work in manufacturing in the company. Only these porter jobs. Okay. Now, there's a reason for that. So, so, they, so they can't be promoted to conductors on the train. They're just porters. And, oh, here's something. George didn't pay them. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a big part of what... Okay. They so worked for tips. How, uh, oh, my God. What the fuck? So he, so okay, so he is fully just doing it because I mean, I mean, Bezos. he starts paying them. He he's starts doing, paying them a bit, but yeah, he's based. I mean, I can't think. He's just finding the cheapest possible labor. As we go through this story, everybody should be thinking about Bezos, a hundred percent. And by oh, by eighteen seventy nine, these black porters made ten dollars a month, working ninety hour weeks. 
Wow. While at the same time, conductors who just took tickets made $65 a month. Oh, my God. White. White guys. I'm aware of their Uh, So working for tips leads to a degrading situation. Um, Sure. It encourages the porters to just cringing deference and to perform... Extra duties, like shining shoes. Ugh. They were all called George. Oh, my God. What is... Go- what? That's like the... Fun. <laughs> it's so much worse. They... That is crazy. They were called so all- George because Ugh. it was a American custom during slavery to call the slaves by the names of their... Oh, Owners. no. That is horrible from the get, but then to have that happening in a... Oof. I Man, I can't... Man, you really had me up for a minute there. I was like, all right, so this is a guy who understands that you need to be given a chance in order to... And you're like, no, it's actually... He's the worst Well, it's person. super complicated because, you know, very hard to get a job after slavery as a black sure. guy... So in their in their yeah. communities, it's awesome to get a job on a Pullman car, but at the same time, it's so it's, fucked. Like it's not like they're being treated yeah. in any way, shape, or form close to equal to anybody else. It's just taking advantage of a a group of people who are are having a really difficult time. Desperate, Desperate. yeah. Yes, and I, by the way, it's great that we've turned that into a broad economic policy. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. Passengers sometimes insisted a porter sing or perform a dance, especially Southern uh, passengers. Oh, oh, just, oh, you could just picture it. Uh, it makes me sick. Uh, it literally makes me sick. George also... In order to get a proper tip... <laughs> oh, just like, oh, oh. George also had spies that worked throughout uh, his his workplace. Uh, they would test the loyalty of workers. They would report on people's behavior. Boy, this guy was ahead of his time. <laughs> he hated unions. He hated organized labor. Sure. Um, sure. I'm sure he did. So profit margins at the Pullman Company were often over 50%. Which is insane. Mm-hmm. It's com- that is insane. Yeah. Company was valued at sixty million dollars. Wow. Now, then in in eighteen eighty, George goes and buys a really big piece of land in an open prairie, fourteen miles south of Chicago. Uh, oh dear! He hires a designer and a landscaper, and they design and build a planned community. Uh, George called the town Pullman. Okay, so we're we're hitting the we're hitting it early, I guess. Um, it opens up in 1882. It grows very quickly with over uh, 8,600 residents in 1885. Uh, so the residential section, it's 150 acres of tenements, flats, single-family homes. Workers got homes according to their jobs. So houses to foremen, wow. cottages to workers. Tenements for oh brick workers. Uh. And they get the, these are 
white. Uh, these are white people. I I really tr- the it was very difficult to determine if any of the black porters were living here. It sounds like mostly they were living in Bronzeville and Chicago, and I I, I think it was segregated. Uh, but it was a very murky sort of thing to research. So he he opened a pretty much all white power living structure city named after uh, yeah i mean yeah as you would do and you there's no way That's there's just... no way bezos isn't trying to think of how to do this and to circumvent this oh. historical precedent <laughs> oh i'm sure i mean i'm sure um so uh-huh. he, he rented i might need a sick bucket so pullman you know he's renting to the his employees it's between four sure. In in his city. Yeah, his city. It's between $4.50 to over $100 a month. The streets are all named after the the Gilded Age industrial giants. Perfect. The homes, they have modern stuff there. They got gas. They got water. They got indoor plumbing. They got sewage. Uh, sewage they got garbage removal. So it's, it's like top-notch as far as that stuff goes. Right. In Chicago, that's not the norm at all, right? That's, so this is advanced in that way. Um, there's a 14-room school. There's a firehouse. There's stables, parks, playing fields. <laughs> Only one bar. And that bar oh, was inside the Hotel Florence, which was named after his oldest daughter. Um, there's two buildings with retail stores, meeting rooms. What the bar? Pullman Bank. I can't get over the that. Pullman Bank. So everyone, okay, Jesus, everyone Christ. uses the Pullman Bank, which is owned by Pullman. And then there's a huge, one thousand seat theater, a library, but you had to pay to use it. And then he built the Greenstone Church. It could hold six hundred congregants, and but George expected all denominations to share the church. That's that's the that's the first thing I've heard that I'm. <laughs> Everything is owned, maintained, and leased by the Pullman Company, so it is a oh, pure Lord. company town. Ah, it's just crazy. Oh my God, it, that's so weird. Is that is that has that happened? I mean, even when I did the one on Domino's, like the dude opened his own little weird city. But it wasn't like, I mean, this, this is the first time. This is, this is right? to the extreme. I mean, it, it's happened before in smaller versions, but this is the biggest, the, the biggest. Right. W- I mean, this guy opened like six flags. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he, he created more of a city than like a, a company town. So, yeah, it's like if you're, yeah, you're like, I'm going to take over this town. You're like, I'll actually just build one. Uh, so there's a man-made lake. Lake Vista, which separates the residential section from the manufacturing side. I mean, basically, he, he didn't want, he didn't want no, people taking the train to work. He wanted them to be able to walk to work in, like, a couple minutes. So the, sure. factory, uh, the factories built the Pullman Palace cars. Town's power came from a giant 350-ton engine, and then the exhaust would go into Lake Vista. Hmm. By building 14 miles from Chicago, he thought it would be isolated from the union radicals in Chicago, which 
in Chicago, we're talking Lucy Parsons time. Like it's really Haymarket affair. Right. Like it's. I, I like that you think fourteen miles is a buffer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're. Stri- I don't think their quest for equality will travel out. How there. could they get here? There's a river. <laughs> so, he uh, George really sees Pullman. It's like a. He thinks it's the answer to the all the problems between labor and capital. Right. I mean, if you're a millionaire, right? That's right. And he because he right he doesn't think there should be any conflict at all because yes, no, it's pretty simple. Just work for me, poor. Work for me, poor. He he thinks by making this clean, healthy environment that that could be profitable and part of his brand. He's also trying to expand the brand. So he wants to prove that well, it's a good he way wants to, to prove do that it. people who people are really influenced by their environment, quote, that decency, propriety, and good manners are not unattainable luxuries for them. So he's basically oh, saying the filthy the filthy people can have Yeah, I mean Dave, he's essentially open <laughs> I mean, he's really, he's really like, look, the filthy, the filthy peoples can also have a, a decent place and then there'll be better cogs in my machine. I mean, that's what he's. Right. So. <laughs> oh, my God. And look, you know, that that sort of opinion that, like, if you take people out of the muck or you. So he basically did it with Pullman cars. A lot of people thought that, you know, travelers would. Just make the the fancy cars really filthy by tracking in mud and spitting tobacco. But then, when people got the opportunity to be in a nice thing, they didn't do that. So he he thinks well right. that'll work with the town, right? Um, okay. So he thinks it's going to create civilized workers, and that would that would mean more money for him. That's what he thinks. What a good heart. Well. I mean, it is a little bit different thinking because at this time, most people think the, the way you are when you're born, it's just locked in. And so he's kind of saying, sure. well, if you give people a better environment, then... If you give people a better environment, they'll be better workers. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the part where it's... They'll be decent employees, yeah. which is perfect for me. It's, I'm looking... It's not utopia. It's mytopia. Does that make sense <laughs> to you? Yeah, I mean, he's basically he's he's almost there. He, he gets to the he gets to the right part, right. which is like he's in the close. Anybody given the right opportunity and and equal footing can can be something better. But he's not doing that. Can be, can, they can change, and when they change, they'll work <laughs> yeah. for me. The right. little he's fucks. Like, they'll be locked into my awesome environment, and then they have to stay in my factory. Yeah. And they they'll slowly start questioning authority, and they'll just do what I tell them to. So. Uh, George, I mean, he's just like one thing he's doing is he's selling residents water at a $500 markup gas. at a th- Will be there soon. Don't worry. History. We plan on you turning. Uh, 5%, We're coming. 500% back. markup gas. 300%. Markup. I mean, Chicago is selling the water uh, to him for almost nothing. And then he's just jacking it up. So. Wow. Wood shavings from the the Pullman uh, shops fuel the boilers that power the engine. In winter, the the company would cut ice off the lake and serve it to passengers in the cars. 
So, mm. uh, more ice, <laughs> sir? Yes, I'd love another bit of ice. Oh, what a luxury this is. The sewage Ooh. from the town is pumped to a farm where it's used for fertilizer, and then that's where he buys vegetables. So it's all this just... Do you understand, people, when you're pooping on the car, you're actually getting the agriculture into your mouths? Isn't that an exciting little system uh, we've created? When create? you shit in your toilet in your Pullman house, I want you to think, I'm making carrots. Just, Those are future potatoes. <laughs> Look, Pullman is also an amazing publicist. He didn't, no chance was missed to use the town to advertise itself, the company, and build up his own brand. He built the the train station in Pullman so travelers would see the town from the best angle when they rolled in. Wow. Good Lord. Can you imagine not having the amount of money to, like, be able to have that? <laughs> Like that, it's just like the it's an unrelatable it's fucking figure. insane. Like to be like, I will try to think of how they'll best see the town when they come in from the train. You know, Pullman, <laughs> the city, not the man. Any new building that was started, he you know press releases widely reported. It becomes a tourist attraction. How long until he starts stealing buildings <laughs> in the night? Just like here, come on, get those screw jacks. And so the town becomes a tourist attraction. And by 1893, 62 trains were stopping there every day. Holy so people shit. could look at this. They'd see a town where gar- uh, garbage is picked up, where lawns were mowed. There's sidewalks. There's backyards. One reporter wrote that George, quote, might be the messiah of a new age. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. Well done. There's another good referee. Good, good call by the ref oh, again. you got to love... You gotta love the, the great journalism. Is this the new Jesus? Good, helpful, really good, really good. So, I mean, pe- pe- people are seeing it the surfacey outside of it, right? They're not seeing right. anything else. So, in 1893, 12,000 people live in Pullman, 6,000 of them are Pullman employees, 40% of all company employees are now w- living in Pullman. Um, most Pullman workers are immigrants. Like I said, the better the job, the better your house. The better the house. But to workers, it's a company town. Pullman is deducting rent from paychecks. But Illinois Mm -hmm. bans that, so he started giving workers two checks one that was exactly equal to rent, and then one that was what was left over after. The rent was taken out. So, so he found a well, loophole. By the way, two checks is one of my favorite. <laughs> then, so the company would, pr- they'd give them the two checks and then the company would pressure the employee right there to sign the check back over. Oh my God. Oh, that's fine. That's a normal, <laughs> that's a fine city. That's a fine town. If the worker didn't and took it to the bank, well, the bank was owned by Pullman and then they'd be harassed at the bank. Good, good. Really? Comfortable. That seems fine. That's how it works. That's how the government works. All right, we'll see you at the bank, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. (laughs) Oh, look who's in line at the bank, finally. Look who's finally in line at the bank. After he lied. He lied. He's a liar. He's in line at the bank. Are you going to cash that check here, soon-to-be-fired guy, or 
No. Yes. Oh, you are. Uh, well, this will be yeah. your last check that you. You should have given me the option. Come and this is it for you. Uh, thank you for working for Pullman. You were a great. Uh, why you gave me the choice? It's illegal. So the housing looks like barracks. There's no there's no meeting places. Like we said, no bars. There's that right. one bar. There's there's one in the bar. hotel. Right. I man, you would you would see me there a lot if I was. A no, Pullman. you wouldn't. Because it's off limits to workers. Why? Oh my God! What? It's, no! It's only for visiting businessmen who are staying at the oh hotel. Oh my God! Wow. So, uh, so it, to me, it feels like it is. A, for, uh, first of all, a great town. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Have you seen the lawns? Town. But okay, uh, the, unbelievable. Yeah. There's not a blade of crabgrass. Um, So, but you're creating, there's not much for people to do outside of sort of fake work. Yeah. Right? Purposefully. Right. A reporter. It's fun. A reporter goes there and he learned that the people don't want to talk to him because they're worried about, quote, company spotters. Spies. Uh-huh. Have we not told you about that? That's, uh, oh, yeah. There's also spies in our town. Boy, you really got to raise a family here. <laughs> yeah, so there's spies all over this town. Worker. What a comfortable place. It's great. I can't wait. This is So exciting. workers, because they can't go to the saloon, and, and George doesn't want them drinking, so they would go to saloons in the nearby town of Kensington. Could they have, like, booze in their houses? I'm sure they could have booze in their houses, but... um, So, George... But then you'd, like, pour a shot, and you'd see, like, a little man inside the bottle, like, (laughs) I saw that, and you'd be like, George could evict tenements... uh, Sorry. George could evict tenants on 10 days' notice for any reason he wanted. Sure. That's fine. That's why they're called tenants. 10 days. There's no town government. I don't like the way you looked at me, so leave. (laughs) Goodbye, sir. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed living here. You don't live here anymore. Why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Get your ass out of this city, but while you're doing it, shouldn't you do it in a Pullman luxury car? <laughs> Pullman luxury cars, the perfect place to rest your weary head after a day of being evicted from Pullman. Pullman, it's also a city. Pullman, and a man. Pullman. There's no town government. Company officials... <laughs> By the way, yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Company officials make all decisions. The school board is all Pullman executives. Oh, my God. Foreman, company foreman, would take workers to the voting polls to make sure they voted the way the company wanted. Sure. It's like uh, our banking system in Pullman if it were an election system. Pullman, it's all rigged. Pullman, don't step out of line. We'll stab you. (laughs) Pullman, Abraham Lincoln's left in a car. The church is empty. Because no congregation could afford the $300 monthly rent. Well, it's how the Lord intended it to be, The Dave. Lord, the Good Lord. Lord. You know, the Lord created humans, but he really referred to them as tenants. <laughs> you didn't remember that part, do you? Uh, a reporter from Harper's called the town un-American, well-wishing feudalism. So now... Okay. Okay. Yes, some people are getting a gist of what's going on. 
Uh, meanwhile, in Chicago, it's it's just disgusting. the The river is covered in grease. I mean, the river just looks like a rainbow from you know, you know, grease looks like right. a rainbow. That's where we put the onion rings. Thief. That's how you get the crispy outside. <laughs> Factory coal smoke just covers the city in a, 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 a film of soot. There's tons of mm. slaughterhouses, meatpacking plants. The poor parts of town have open sewers, typhoid outbreaks. In 1891, 2,000 people have died of typhoid. One reporter called Chicago the cesspool of the world, which you probably still think applies. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's more cesspooly than the Windy City. It's not that windy. <laughs> so. so let's just come up with an appropriate name is what some of us are saying. An English visitor... An English visitor said Chicago had, quote, unrelieved ugliness. Wow. That is definitely an English person. Unrelieved ugliness. So, I mean, that's why the town of Pullman looks good, right? Because. Yeah, because it's next to. Yeah. It's like following. Like, it's like following an ugly person on a dating (laughs) You know, you look better. You're second. It's better. You know, you're like, it's, oh. we've set the palette. We've reset the palette. And uh, that is no. a great idea for a dating app. Guarantee that an ugly person will be in front of you in the. That is that they, they that is what because I remember when I was on Tinder, they would have things where you could be like, I'm a gold status or whatever. That is totally a fee that should apply on there. You should pay like two ninety nine <laughs> a month and just like 50% of the time, you're going to follow a low-rated person. <laughs> so you're just going to be like, oh, that guy's gross. And then you see me, you're like, well, he's, I mean, not my, he's better than the last one. So yeah, probably. So, uh, so while all this is... This is the Chicago situation, right? But then there's total just disgusting opulence of the rich. Like George's right. Mansion, which we talked about on Prairie Avenue. And, and then on May 1st, the world's uh, Columbian Exposition opens. There's 100,000 visitors come to see modern technology like light bulbs and oddities like two-headed pigs and a U.S. map made out of pickles. Uh, I, Jesus Christ. Uh, Uncle. <laughs> wow. Did you? A two-headed pig. Did you see the, a two-headed did you see pig. the pickle map? <laughs> it's unbelievable. It is quite a... It's really hard to yeah. see what's Did you anything, get there before that guy man. ate it? No, I got there after he ate it. But it was really... I could still tell that there was... A lot of it was, was pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, he'd eaten a bunch of it. I mean, no. that's the that's a pickle. Yeah, and map. then the pig looked like it had one head stapled on. That seemed, and it and it didn't look like it was another no. pig head uh, either. To me, it looked like yeah, a bird it, head. So it looked like it was a, a pig. It looked like a pig with a part bird. Yeah, it was a crow. I it. thought it was a crow. I would thought it was a crow. It was either a raven or a but crow. So it I, was a. It was just a pig with a raven head. But, but to be fair, I'd never seen that before. I didn't either. So. And also, technically, two-headed, two-headed pig, it doesn't say what kind of head. So, Yeah, that's true. That's true. You could get around that legally for sure. I mean, I don't have a leg to stand on. Um, but, yeah, pickle map. And then that thing, that bulb, that was, did, not, did not hit What's the point me. when we have candles and fire and stuff? 
We have candles and gas chandeliers. Yep. This is as good as it gets. Enough. So, George Pullman takes part in a lot of the fair's events. He had put $100,000 into the corporation that put on the, the fair. And then were people like, oh, my God, he's such a charity-based <laughs> person. He's so great because he gave a... 0.4% of his wealth away. Well, it's just such a it's just such a great example. You compare, you know, what's happening in Chicago and he's giving $100,000 to for people to look at pickle maps. Like it's Yeah. And meanwhile, he's like just making money oh. hand over fist because of yeah. the city. So, basically the fair, the exposition is it's for the rich by the rich. That's what it is. It should be called an unfair. Well done, sir. Uh, I'm going to lay down for a little bit if that's I mean, okay. look, most workers are making, in America, are making under $10 a week. They're working 60 hours while three-quarters of the wealth was in the hands of 200,000 Americans. If you can imagine that well, being so the just, case. I just am trying, trying to put my brain in that sort of I space. I can't. It's very yeah. difficult because it's just that the wealth is spread so in equally, so unequally, so it's just sort of. Imagine. To, yeah, I just I, it's hard yeah. to picture. It's hard to picture what that would look like. I bet it pretty I bet it'd be fine though. So George George is now sixty three years old. He's getting sick a lot. He's always tired. Um he's always working. I need to eat more money. <laughs> Feed me more money to make me better. I'm hungry for more buckaroos. His his family is telling him to slow down, not work so much. Just give me money. Put it in my pants and my mouth. Stuff me with bills, you idiots. On, I'm a walking bank. On May 4th, 1893, the stock market crashed. Uh, this, this would start a four-year depression. Within months, George lays off two-thirds of Pullman employees. <sighs> okay. He also spreads workout and he cuts wages to those he didn't fire. He does not reduce rents and Pullman. Sure. Why would he? I mean, everything just all the money's gone. Why would that change the economy of the And city? while cutting wages, he doesn't make any cuts to his own salary or the executives of the sure. company. Well, Dave, Dave, he put on a fair. So <laughs> can we kind of remember that for a minute? The guy put 100 grand into a fair. <laughs> So, so what if he's evicting everybody and his salary remains the same? I mean, come on. So that year, the... Abraham Lincoln rode in a Pullman <laughs> car, jerk off. I get it. I get it. No, you make a good point. Get it through I your head. Well, I don't understand how many more times we have to go through this. He deserves this money. He did stuff. He did. Now fuck everyone else. Fuck good them Lord. all. When are you going to understand? S this one guy made... He won. He won. <laughs> he's winning the game yeah, of life. he made the money. He's showing, he's getting, he's got all the money and screw everyone else. It's he's awesome. the guy he who won. made the money. He gets to do what he wants. You're supposed to get all the points. Then you win Thank the game. You. It's just, oh. So that year, the Pullman uh, company made $9.6 and had a profit rate of 54%. So while he's cutting all these workers, while he's slashing wages... Uh. He's just making hand over fucking fist money. Shareholders yeah. get dividends. Perfect. And the company has no system for workers to file grievances or even 
talk to sure. upper management. There's no, no communication whatsoever. Yep. And by the way, who needs unions? <laughs> uh, on May, uh, so people start taking in boarders to help with rents in Pullman, which now creates okay. an overcrowded situation. And here, here's, how, here's how bad it is. One worker was left with $3.56 for two weeks' work after rent was paid. He has a family. They're only eating bread sure. and water because that's all they can afford. Well, you're going to have to cut that water budget. Eventually, he becomes so weak and sick that he can't work. So his wife borrows 15 cents to buy a soup bone and liver sausage. I'm sorry, David. Uh, some people, like me, are not familiar with the term soup <laughs> So. It's really... You said soup bone? Soup bone. So a soup bone is like you, you, cut, up the, you cut up a piece of meat, you, you take all the meat off, and then there's just a bone left. Yeah. And, and that bone you... bone with like some scraps. Bo- not even scraps. You boil it in water to create like a broth. So basically what dogs <laughs> get, but just a different way of preparing That's it. That's right. Right. Okay. Have you guys tried pig's ear stew? <laughs> also a favorite of the canine that I think could easily transfer to humans. <sighs> Another man said workers were dry. It's like if you turned a dog into a chef, what it would make. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, hey, dog, we just turned you into a person. What do you, what do you want to cook? I'll make a bone soup. Okay, stupid dog. <laughs> Little brained animal. Okay. <laughs> Another man said workers were dropping besides cars while working because they had no food to eat. I mean, come on. We, remember, remember when, he, remember when uh, uh, George said he was going to set up this town where everyone would have a great environment to live in and then, and then it would yeah. increase profit? Yeah, okay. Yes, it's perfect. M- People are dying from not being able to... But apparently bone soup doesn't have a ton of nutrition to it. It's a water-heavy dish. <laughs> so... More and more employees start signing up for a new union called the American Railway Union. Previous unions are all, okay. they're, they're brotherhoods. There's the, there's the engineers. There's the, the like, every, you're classified by whatever your job is. But the American your, Railway right, Union is right. like, why don't we get under one big umbrella? So okay. on May 4th, 1894, exactly one year after the stock market crash and the depression kicked off, George... Uh, comes back from spending a couple of months at the Jersey Shore in his his Jersey Shore house, and he goes sure. to Pullman. He heard the workers were uh, upset. So he and Hattie go, and they walk around the town. What seems to be the problem? Oh, that's a lot of bodies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's more bone soup for you all to cook. Hmm? <laughs> That's Boil lovely. your neighbor. Eat your friends. Come to Pullman. Pullman, it's time to eat your home. <laughs> so he walks around with Hattie and they see nothing wrong. He speaks to a few uh, guys. They're very nice. A manager says things are fine. And he's like, oh, it's all good. Oh, oh, good. All right. 
The next day, a committee of workers go to the company and meet with Pullman Executive Vice President Thomas Wicks. Mm-hmm. They're complaining about pay. The work was the same. The output is the same, but they're being paid much less. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem for <laughs> people? <laughs> the rents in Pullman are way too high. So they want more pay, double time for Sunday work. They want lower rents. And then there's a problem with the foreman in the plants. They're incompetent. They're abusive. They're wasteful. They uh, allocate work and and pay based on favoritism and, quote, petty uh, despotism. And then they also want to know why the company is hiring extra guards if it doesn't have money. Hmm. It's a weird weird area to be throwing money. I'll say that's a weird staff to be uh, solidifying (laughs) this time. Yes, uh, there's not enough money to hire more of you people, but the people who will beat you people if you become sentient people, those are the people we're hiring. We're hiring beaters. Uh, a lot of job openings for beaters. If we're looking, uh, we're <laughs> really looking for clubbers and beaters. Those are the areas of hiring we're going through now. So, uh, yeah, we'll take a punch. That economy is booming. We'll in take full. a puncher if you're. We, we can do punchers. If someone has a history of punching, we find it's easy to train them up to clubbers. So they meet with this guy, Wicks, and Wicks says Pullman cars are not making money, and right. the plant was only open, he says, to give men work. It's losing money. It's just there to keep you guys employed. So paying, paying more is impossible. It. it just can't happen. Right. Yeah. No, they're not making any money. Now, the residents of the town already owed 70000 in back rent. And he's like, you're not being pushed to pay that. Like, we're not pushing you to get it. Why are you guys being such dicks about... <laughs> us not making you pay the exorbitant unfair rate. It's like... And, and the, the, the resident's like, no, you're totally pushing us. That happens all the time. Do you guys need more bones? <laughs> I'm not sure what the miscommunication here is. Do you... Maybe a set of ribs would be nice? So... Have you guys had cartilage <laughs> chili? That could be... You know, my grandmother used to... Uh, you know, she would pop out one of her eyeballs when things got tough and boil that up in a... a... Have, I, have you guys tried angel hair pasta, but instead of angel, it's berry? Berry hair pasta? Does this guy berry? We can just eat his hair with a little bit of, little bit of bone soup mixed in. That's mm. just... It's like ramen. Mmm. 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 Yeah, it's just berry hair ramen. Mmm. Mmm. Oh. So the workers are like... Human noodles. Workers, yeah, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> so the workers were like, "Look, if the company folded, at least we could then move out of Pullman and to cheaper towns." I mean, this is a tales of the crypt. <laughs> this is a Black Mirror. I mean, it's just like, I mean, maybe if we work hard enough, we could leave this town. Pullman, work hard enough, and you could go back to your other life. Pullman, it's his prison. Pullman, and they're like, we could find jobs easier in this city. And so Wicks, at the end of the meeting, Wicks tells them, he tells them, uh, document all your complaints in writing and then come back. So two days later, they come back and uh, George Howard, who's the VP of the American Railway Union, goes with them. And halfway through the meeting with Wicks, 
George Pullman enters, very dramatic fashion. It was clearly all staged and set up, right? They've been there for sure. a couple hours, and all of a sudden he, he rolls in, and he reads a prepared statement. Oh, there's, there's like 12 people from the, the comp, 12 workers, and he's doing this right. fucking display. Walks in dramatically, sure. He reiterates that the company is losing money on car building, and the car building business, he says, is very competitive, and he gives, if he gives them the wages they want, he wouldn't win any contracts, and the plant would close. Now, we know that's bullshit, because he's fucking making hand-over-fist money. And yeah, 50, 54% Yeah, profits. it's just absolute nonsense. Guys, we cannot afford to pay you, okay? Being honest. Here's the thing about paying you. If we paid you, you would have more money. I would have less. You understand? You it's see... one of those sort of things. You see situations. how that's a problem, yeah? It's a big issue. So you guys eat your friends, <laughs> and I'll stay really, really, really rich. Hmm? Have you ever had double-boiled soup bones? Have you ever tried just putting your hand in warm water and then calling that broth? <laughs> Is that possible? So, uh, look, he says, as far as the rents go, um, at being in the, the employer and the landlord, those are two totally separate things. And sure. a, a landlord doesn't set rents based on what it, people are making. I, I cannot believe, like, I'm two people and I'm fighting with myself. Does that make sense to you? I'm the head of two departments and I can't, I won't fuck myself over. Do you get it? And then he says he was only getting a 3.82% return on rents and he wanted to get 6%. So he. He's saying to these people who can't afford food after they pay rent that he expected a a larger return from his residential properties and their their blood money is not enough. There's tone deaf and then there's just straight up deaf. This is no different than just coming in the room, taking out your dick and just peeing on everybody's face. Like it's the craziest... Does that make sense? Does everyone understand what I'm doing here? So this is what I'm trying to tell you. So he he also... Charlie, open your <laughs> mouth. Let me get it in there. He also we, said, look, I'm it? being very nice by not going to court uh, to get back rents because... Where I'm also the judge <laughs> at the Pullman County Courthouse. Because he said he thought of the workers as, quote, his children. Oh, good. I mean, honest uh, to God. What a prick. It's just... What kind of person is like, I'm cool with my child eating. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> he then said he was really great for keeping the shops open when they were losing money. So at the end of it, he gives himself props. He's like, look, I'm doing a great fucking job here. You know what? I think we should increase wages for me. I'm really crushing this. <laughs> I've really been great. So after that, the employees are like, we want more pay. We want more money. And they asked to go into arbitration. And George is like, we're not doing legal arbitration. And then he said, quote, there's nothing to arbitrate. 
What a what a legal process when you're basically like, there's no legal there's, process. I'm sorry. So, uh, no. <laughs> it's just not going to work for me. Yeah, yeah. It's like breaking up with someone and they're like, I'm afraid we're together. Still. No, it, this is no different than him reaching in his pocket and going, hey, uh, what about this? And pulling out a fucking middle finger. Like, it. It just, right. it's the craziest. But uh, although things are getting so bad there, they might be like, we'll take it. There's a lot of meat on that. No, no, I'm saying fuck you. What is that? So uh, Wicks had promised that there would be no retaliation against anybody on the committee. And George was like, yes, there will be no, no retaliation. The meeting ends. Oh, yes. No, we won't take this personally. Shut that door. Call the beaters. <laughs> when the meeting ends, George and Wicks... According to uh, Kelly, quote, congratulated themselves for diffusing the situation. So they're, they're so yeah. out of their yeah. fucking minds that they don't see that he has just come in and said the absolute craziest shit to human beings who just want food. He is just I mean, he is. And then at the end, he's like, I think that went pretty we well. We really got our point across. Uh, they left. Without incident. Well done. The net. Yeah. I mean, but that is, you know, I, I, it is always, I mean, that is what is just constantly happening, is they're just finding new ways to just keep the ruse going as long yeah. as possible, you know? So uh, the, ne- uh, the next day, three of the committee members are fired. Oh, interesting. Well, at least they stuck to their word. So... Look, the workers at the Pullman Company are already fucking pissed, and this just sets them over the edge. They're fucking okay. livid. Yes, David. Yes. Now, union leaders are opposed to a strike, and the, and there's a multitude of reasons for it. They're not organized for one. They're not set up. Pullman can last forever with all the money he's got. How long can they go? Like, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of things. And then what what happens with the public relations, a lot of reasons. So the Pullman workers vote after the firings. And um, okay, the firings were pretty much the final offense. A wildcat strike will begin on May 11th based on dangerous working conditions, low pay, poor treatment. Everything. <laughs> everything. Uh, just everything, everything. Now, Wicks is just shocked. He cannot believe what's happening. And he says that the three workers who were fired had not been fired because they were on the committee, but they were fired for it's they were fired for other reasons. A total misunderstanding. It's unrelated. <laughs> oh my god! Did you think that we fired them because of insubordinate? Oh my lord! No, no, they weren't washing their hands. <laughs> we had to get rid of them. They weren't washing their hands. It's just so. Oh, my God. Imagine if we would fire people because it threatened our personal... Ex- I, that is just... Uh, I'm... Uh, oh, it's appalling. <laughs> oh. I, we are... What do you th- take us for? Stacks of money who have figured out how to wear skin and talk? So, George says he's surprised because his workers were the best paid in the world. Because I, because I said so. Okay. 
labor leaders, the Chicago Civic Federation, newspapers, they all urge George to agree to arbitration. He refuses. Again, he says, quote, nothing to arbitrate. Yeah. That, Which is fine, because that's he yeah. said so. That's, that's how right. it works. I'm suing you. No. <laughs> no. 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 So that night he goes to his house on the Jersey Shore, but there's reporters camped out all over the place. Oh, reporters. Strange. So he takes a train up to, uh, to his um, house in northern New York in the Thousand Islands on the St. Lawrence. To avoid the reporters? Yeah. That's pretty... I mean, this is some Saddam Hussein. And the shit. name, he named the place? It's... it's What, his place in upstate New York? Castle Rest. Oh, fucking A. That's where Skeletor lives. <laughs> castle Ugh. Rest. Oh, good Lord. Burn the castle. <laughs> Four days after the workers walked out... The Pullman Palace Car Company paid out their usual 2% dividend to stockholders. Sure. $600,000. Yeah. Because, yeah, but Dave, they, you understand that it's so hard to do that when you're not making any profit. Like, 46% non-profit. Do you yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Almost yeah. half. Sorry, we don't have any money. Oh, except for these people who aren't doing anything. Well, these people work so hard. Strike leaders warned the workers to avoid violence. It, to be fair, though, Dave, in or, if to find soulless pieces of shit that have no empathy or humanity, it does cost it does. pretty It's very penny. hard. Like, in order to pay someone to remove their soul from their yeah. body, there's a That's fee, right. you know? You've got to pay. You cannot just pay them minimum wage because they are forgoing heart, love, any of it. Just, I mean, you got to pay yeah. for that. It's a, it well, adds I agree up. with you. You know, if you basically want a husk, <laughs> you've got to throw money at it. Now, strike leaders uh, tell the workers, avoid violence, avoid property damage, because it'll be used against them. Um, they actually go as far as to surround the plant with strikers to keep it safe from company saboteurs. Most papers said the workers would lose because George could hold out for months, but at the same time, they do attack George. Okay. Some papers start so. calling him the Baron or Duke and saying the town of Pullman was like a feudal manor. Okay. Well, that's a better name instead of Castle Rest. So he's, he's such a, an egregious violator of humanity that even the newspapers that always take the side of business are like, ugh, this, guy, this guy's just... And yet, I mean, it needs to be egregious, yeah. right, for them to actually be like, you know, he's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Which is why someone like Bezos buys the paper. That's correct. So in early June, the uh, American Railway Union holds their national convention in Chicago. Uh, the union is run by a former railway worker, Eugene Debs. They have oh. 150,000 members now. It's... Uh, They've just had a very successful strike against the Great Northern Railroad, which was owned by one of George's buddies, uh, Big Jim Hill. Now, the ARU debates 
at the convention about opening membership to African-Americans. Right. So now okay. we're talking about the the porters. Uh, Deb yep. argues in favor, but ARU okay. members vote it down 112 to 110 for a whites only union. Ah, uh, uh, huge. God damn it. Huge Two mistakes. The way this country could have changed if workers had gotten together over race lines and worked together we would live in a different country. And yet, it, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it is like the, the way that they have been able to insert race into the class. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's done. Know, it's maniacal. It's, it's exactly yeah. how they planned it. So a few days later, the Pullman strikers uh, appeal. They're hearing the Pullman workers and saying, should we get on board with this strike or do start a boycott or whatever with the, the ARU. Right. So one Pullman worker, a father of four, quote, when a man is sober and steady and has a saving wife, and after working two and a half years for a company, he finds himself in debt for a common living, something must be wrong. Another, quote, we are born in a Pullman house, fed from the Pullman shops, taught in the Pullman school, catechized in the Pullman church, and when we die, we go to Pullman hell. So should uh, that should be an <laughs> just set that to music. <laughs> Sorry. So the ARU agrees to back uh, the Pullman strikers with boycotts. That afternoon, okay. that afternoon, eleven Pullman employees go to Wilkes and ask him, "Will you arbitrate?" And Wilkes said he couldn't respond to rep of the ARU because the Pullman company didn't recognize the ARU's existence. Wait, w- that's Wicks, the guy from the VP, uh, like his, the VP the, of Paul. Right. Okay. So he. So, so yes. this is what happens. Okay. The, so there. So there's. They just have these. I mean, it's basically like very much how it is now, where you're just like, I choose to not acknowledge uh, yeah. reality. No, you're you're not real. So uh, oh oh yeah, you're it's, you're an app. Apparition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they go there. Uh, they go there with a rep from the ARU, and the guy's like, "I'm sorry, you're not real." I'm sorry, I don't negotiate with boogeymen. On June 20th, the ARU informed the Pullman Company if there was no response on June 26th, members would boycott Pullman by refusing to handle trains with Pullman cars. Okay. There. Pullman, it's gotten to this point. Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of public pressure to settle because it's a big deal. The trains are a big fucking deal. But yeah. the Pullman Company insisted and kept saying, quote, there's nothing to arbitrate. Oh, wow. Jesus. So June 26 comes. That's the deadline. And crowds gather by Chicago rail stations hoping to see some action. I mean, people are down there like, this is going to be great. Right. George walks from his mansion to the 12th Street station to watch the Diamond Special leave. Now... The Diamond Special is a very, very fancy luxury train made 100% of Pullman cars. It's just a Pullman car train. Mm -hmm. And it's going to St. Louis. It's full of uh, Democrats heading to their convention. (laughs) Well, 
Uh-huh. It's called the fuck you. Oh, diamond Democrats. The fuck yeah. you yeah. is pulling out. Riding in the, riding in the eat our shit cart. <laughs> so, but the diamond special leaves the train without incident. And people are like, oh, what? And George, George walks back to his uh, mansion. A, a, a kid yelled at him, wait till tomorrow. So, <laughs> so. He was like, mm. But the night switchman at the Illinois Central Station refused to handle the diamond special. Okay. Supervisors had to figure out how to do it themselves, but had no okay. idea. That's good. That's cool. That's cool to be on a train. It's like, what's going on up there? Like, they're just figuring out how to switch it. By morning, Illinois Central switchmen were refusing all Pullman cars. The railway company fires anyone who's not following orders. So then, 2,500 trainmen and shop workers walk off the job in response to the firings wow. and say you have to give the guys their jobs back. The entire line is frozen. Within three days, wow. Chicago, Great Western, Northwestern, Burlington, Baltimore and Ohio, Northern Pacific, and Western India rail systems are tied up completely. Crowds on the south side of Chicago block the tracks. It's almost like the workers have so much power. So much power. Crowds on the south side block the tracks. Freight, passenger, and suburban trains are stopped as people yell at railroad officials who are now trying to do the jobs of workers. The boycotts spread to 27 states. Wow. Oh, my God. Can you imagine... How can you? I mean, oh, oh. a hundred carloads of bananas rotted on the tracks between New Orleans and Chicago. And you just heard 500 (laughs) ants say, we'll make bread. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll make bread. Across the country, meat and vegetable prices doubled. Ice prices quadrupled. Mm -hmm. The strike was affecting oil plants, sugar refinery refineries. Fruit canneries in California, flour mills in Wisconsin, and brewers in Milwaukee. Pabst considers chartering a steamboat to get beer to Chicago. That's amazing. I mean, it's I look. It's uh, it's amazing in many metrics because it does. I mean, it just you can gum up the yeah. works, and you have to gum up the works. It's also amazing that Pabst is like, we made a beer submarine. <laughs> get it over there. <laughs> We shall not be controlled. <laughs> the people need their bubbly ale. <laughs> and by the way, that's Pabst Blue Ribbon. Like, imagine if you're like, we've got a boat. It's coming in with beer. Don't worry. Awesome. What kind is it? Pabst Blue Ribbon. Hey, tell them to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago's meatpacking district was shut down. The carcasses start to stink. It, this strike is way more effective than anyone thought it would be. It's way beyond anyone's expectations. So the Chicago Tribune labeled Eugene Debs Dictator Debs. Other papers yeah. pick up on it. I can't wait to find out that he wanted, like, a, you know, a, like a mattress to sleep <laughs> on when he was on the road. And people were like, oh, this out-of-touch prick. Uh, so people are running with that label. Editors portray Debs as a monarch who did what he wanted with the railroads. Now, again, jo- uh, uh, Debs was 
not for the strike. He was being led by the workers. He actually didn't think they should have struck because he didn't think they could win. Right. But, it, but he, I mean, so he's probably like, thank you. It's true. <laughs> now I should have had that policy. But it's going far better than he ever imagined. Yeah. So he would have signed up yeah. for this. Uh, yeah. George has his mansion put under guard, his Chicago mansion. He has all the servants removed and his most valuable silver plate locked in a vault inside the Pullman building. Uh, it's been right there. Like, we need guillotines. <laughs> it's just so, like, that, if you are, like, if you have a plate guard, it's, it's, no, you go to The Hague. That's new. It's a new thing. If you are on that, if you can employ a guard for your plate, we don't need you in our Smithers, system. save the plate! Oh, my God. I just, I mean, uh, people are starving, and he's like, don't let them touch the plate. <laughs> he takes his family and his servants to the Jersey Shore summer home. They ride on separate trains. They took a, they mm-hmm. took a, a less fancy car, uh, so not to be noticed, not a oh, Pullman right. car from another company. Right. Oh, 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 hopefully it's got a barf bin. The company stays consistent. Quote, nothing to arbitrate. There's nothing to arbitrate. George makes no official statements. He, he goes out of his way to make sure it seems like he doesn't care. He's acting very nonchalant. But in his diary, he's freaking out. He's totally worried and nervous. Uh, uh. The, gen- the General Manners Association was an anti-union group made up of rich owners of the 24 railroads serving Chicago. And they hold a meeting. Uh, they... Refuse to communicate with the ARW. GMA's plan, according to historian Almont Lindsay, quote, the strategy of the association was to draw the U.S. government into the struggle and then make it appear that the battle was no longer between the workers and the railroads, but between the workers and the government. The GMA... Did not want smooth prick. The GMA did not want to get the trains moving, but rather to slow them down to upset the public. Right. A rumor began that the GMA was pressuring George to make a deal, and one of the GMA uh, members made sure everyone knew that was not true. "Quote: We have organized to resist the strike to the bitter end." Now. They now considered the situation to be beyond just George Pullman. The GMA considered this to be an industrial war between the ARU and the GMA. One of the uh, one the New York Times would call, quote, the greatest battle between labor and capital that has ever been inaugurated in the United States. Dude, you're doing in this corner. In this corner, ready to remove all workers' rights and dignity, the GMA! And in this corner, weighing in with many, many grievances, looking to give workers a living wage and a sustainable existence and make their families happy and give them enough time to have a vacation, the ARU! Only one can leave! You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Um, so that's the end of part one. References... Um, Carl Smith, Urban Disorder, and The Shape of Belief, The Great Chicago Fire, The Haymarket Bomb, and The Model Town of Pullman. As I said, uh, Jack Kelly, The Edge of Anarchy, 
Susan Eleanor Hirsch, After the Strike, A Century of Labor Struggle at Pullman. Thomas Crawwell with William Phelps, Failure of the Presidents from the Whiskey Rebellion to the War of 1812 to the Bay of Pigs to the Iran-Contra Affair. Uh, Jimmy Stamp, Traveling in Style and Comfort, the Pullman Sleeper Car. So you, you obviously see the comparisons between this person and Amazon they're they're clear as fucking day yeah and yes it is and um one thing that everyone needs to sort of consider when they realize how big Amazon is getting Amazon is you know taking over and it's shutting down small businesses all over the country right you know now you can't go there's just there's just things you can't get like there's things that you have to order online now because if you yeah. go to get them, they're not available within 20 miles or something. There's just nothing. There's just items that you can't buy. Yeah. The more that that happens, the more Amazon opens himself up to a strike that will cripple things. Uh, we sign train cars, box cars. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 